We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Raptors Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sean Davis, joined by, as always, my friend, Luca Rosano. After a quick hiatus, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about on this episode. Before we get into all that, quick reminder, please just subscribe right here to the Raptors Nation YouTube channel. Ring that post notification bell as well. Got a lot of stuff coming for you guys. We haven't been able to do the film breakdown stuff yet or any of the other cool stuff we planned, but that is coming, guys, so just stick around for that. And uh, Luca, my man, uh, short hiatus, but glad to be back. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing a little bit better, still uh, getting over uh, this sickness, which has been annoying. So if I cough, cough a couple of times during the show, that is why. But uh, no, I'm glad to be back. I've definitely been watching these games and keeping a close eye on the wraps, even though I've been sick. So uh, yeah, let's uh, dive into what we've seen from the wraps uh, during the last week or so. Yeah, so Luca, where would you like to start first? There's a bunch of little small topics that we have to get through today. Um, we will be back uh for a later week show after the Raptors play the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, but Luca, where should we start off for today's pod? Yeah, so I just want to kind of go back a bit here, uh, talk about the four very winnable games that we had talked about the Raptors, you know, going into. They had a matchup against the Pistons. They had a matchup against the Pacers, a matchup against the Thunder and the Rockets. So they beat the Rockets. They lose to the Thunder, lose to the Pacers, very back-to-back disappointing losses. And then they beat the Pistons, followed by beating the Heat the other night. So Raptors getting back on track as they're going to be in another gauntlet of a next couple of, uh, or next week and a half or so as they got the Hawks Saturday, Nets the Wednesday, Mavs, Cavs, Pelicans, Nets. Um, so obviously some tough competition coming up. So it was good to see the Raptors get the win against the Heat, especially since they did stumble a little bit against teams that they should have beaten. But, I mean, you go to that Thunder game. Let's credit OKC and Shea in particular. He's been playing out of his mind. The one against the Pacers, though, that was a really disappointing loss, especially since the Raptors were up in that game and they blew in the fourth quarter. But I I guess what we could start here in terms of uh, storylines, Scotty Barnes, because I know there's been a lot of talk about Barnes online and just amongst Toronto fans about his production of late. And he wasn't playing Scotty Barnes-esque basketball, at least rookie of the year-esque basketball, uh, prior to the Heat game. And a lot of people were looking at Scotty like, what's going on over here? His numbers aren't looking the same. His overall demeanor's not looking the same. His effort's not looking the same. But what was alarming was that like a lot of fans were starting to turn on him. And it's like, okay, let, let's chill here for a minute. 
he's only been struggling for let's call it five games, six games, if you will. Right. Um, you know, his jump shot doesn't look the same. His effort wasn't looking the same as well. His defense was a little lackluster, but clearly he's just going through a rough patch. And there are a lot of sophomores right now that are going through slumps. I mean, Cade's missed some time due to injury. Evan Mobley's not necessarily lighting it up. So I think like from a fan's perspective, we need to just chill out a bit on Scotty Barnes, let him get through this because I think he will. And little do you know, he goes up against the Heat, looks much better in the first half, and overall finishes 19-6-6, and shoots really well from the field. And we see Scotty Barnes return for at least one game. So that my point is like as fans, we sometimes just got to chill because like these players could be going through some rough patches, rough stretches, and you shouldn't let those rough stretches define who they are and what they're going to be. Like I was hearing chatter, like people saying that like Barnes is a fraud. He's not going to be what the Raptors had hoped for. The Raptors should have traded him for KD. It's just like, we got to chill out here. I mean, the guy's got the rest of his career here in Toronto to prove himself, at least the rest of this year to make up for a couple bad games. Yeah. Like, do people remember, and, and this is, like, a funny part about sports, like, the blessing and the curse, like, covering sports, like, the knee-jerk reaction from fan bases, like, if it's not, if something doesn't go well for four games, especially in the NBA, like, everything is over, you suck, like, it, you talk about, like, this being Scotty Barnes sophomore year, do people remember how, like, bad, in air quotes, Jason Tatum was his sophomore year? Now, granted, I said in air quotes because that Boston team had a lot of stuff going on, trying to reintegrate uh, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. Uh, that team was just a mess in its own right. But, like, in terms of production, like, Tatum, yeah, he averaged more points his sophomore year, but efficiency went down while the shot attempts shot up. Three-point percentage went down. Granted, he shot, like, 43% from three of the year prior, so you knew that was coming down. And then just, like, overall, he was not as good of a player the next year. And, like, People are like, oh, man, Chase Tatum's not that guy, yada, yada. Kyrie leaves. Uh, Gordon stays, obviously. But, like, next year or whatever, they're two games away from an NBA Finals berth. And Jason Tatum, for the past four years, has been a top 10, at worst, a top 15 player in the NBA. I just bring that up to say, like, these young guys, it takes time sometimes, man. Like, Jason Tatum's a top eight player in the world right now. And he went off of his second season. You'd think, oh, man, it's over. Or like another my another one of my favorite examples, Luca was speaking of the Celtics, unfortunately. Like, even though like the situation around him sucks currently, but like Emi Odoka, who put the situation aside, just talk about him as a basketball coach, is a top ten coach in my opinion. And Celtics fans were ready to get rid of him after 30 games. Yeah. And they went to the finals last year. So I mean, Scotty will be fine. It is a rough patch. I do agree with your analysis there, Luca. But, yeah, I just think it's funny, the, the knee-jerk reaction of sometimes, like, after a very, very small sample size where the large portion of the majority of the time it shows, like, okay, this is a Scotty. I don't know what the heck is going on. But this guy that we've seen 90% of the time, that's Scotty. That's, that's the guy. This is just a rough patch. I agree with what you said there, Luca. And I know it's easy to do that as fans. We overreact. And I've tried to get better at this myself, where it's just about taking a bigger sample size and then give your analysis. Because, yeah, if you go game to game, 
like you said, Sean, there's times where like after three or four games, you're ready to write a player off. You're ready to fire a coach. And then hindsight's 50, 50, the end of the year comes by. And then you see that player have a tremendous season or a coach like Udoka lead the Celtics a couple wins away from winning a championship. So that's why sometimes you just have to have patience. And especially with Scotty, you know, sophomore slum going through a rough patch, he's going to be okay. I think he's going to find himself and I think he's going to break out of this. And it was great to see him get back into the rhythm of things against the heat. And that's going to lead me to another talking point here. How about OG Ananobi? You read my mind. I was, I was just going to say like, Scotty's not playing well, but who has OG Ananobi? And talk about a guy who was facing a lot of noise this offseason in particular when there were rumors going wild about, are the Raptors going to trade OG? Have they given up on him? The Blazers are reportedly interested uh, in shopping their pick. Is OG going to be going somewhere else? And OG enters the season with a lot of expectations, a lot of people like us zeroing in on him to see, okay, what are you going to give us? Is, are you finally going to take that leap? Are you finally going to show us who you can be offensively? Because we already know how great of a defensive player you are. And he has taken the onus of upping his offensive production with Pascal Siakam on the sideline. I mean, he has had some nice games during the stretch. Let's take the one the other night. 32 points against the Miami Heat. Really locked in. In the zone. Was a huge catalyst of that 21-0 run that the Raptors had in the third quarter, which really flipped the game around. Yeah and made the Raptors win that game ultimately. Uh, 19 before that against the Pistons. Um, He had 26 against the Indiana Pacers. OG looks so comfortable now with his offensive game that you are now getting more good games from him offensively than bad. And one of the biggest knocks to him was his consistency. So I really like how, how I've seen OG so far put it together on both ends. And this team has needed it from him. And, and, and I brought it, I bring up the contract stuff a lot. He is going to be extension eligible, I believe, this upcoming offseason because then uh, he'll be on what could be a contract year. But I, I feel like the year before the contract year is so pivotal because then that's where the extension could kick in. And now with, like, OG's taking the next step. And like you mentioned, the consistency with him has been a big key. Like, you always – you always knew OG could pop off one night and drop 25. But, you know, more realistically throughout his career, he's like a 12 to 15 point per game score. But a month of November, he's averaged 22. And it's been like pretty like 18, 27, 22. Rough game against Chicago, 13. 27, rough game with 13. 26, 19, 32. So, like, take out a couple of rough games. He's been like pretty consistent around the 20 point up margin there. Um, in terms of his scoring production. And the Raptors have needed every bit of it, especially with Pascal Siakam out with the injury currently. Um, no current update for uh, Pascal Siakam. just going to throw in an injury update right now. No current update. They are uh, expecting or hoping that they are able to evaluate, reevaluate him um, shortly and soon. Uh, but, you know, with Pascal out, the rap and OG not – not OG. Scotty not playing well in terms of production. The Raptors have needed – OG Ananobi, Fred VanVleet, who we talked in the last pod, to we expect it to not be that bad again, taking a five-game sample size and saying, for 80% of like the past five years, whatever, this has been Fred VanVleet, we're going to buy into that. And since Pascal's been out, he's been that. 25 points per game in the month of November, including uh, 
two 30-point games, and uh, one of those 30-point games were a 30-11 and 11 game. Um, but OG and Fred have really stepped it up in Pascal's absence. Yeah, Fred's another example of that knee-jerk reaction. I mean, I feel like Scotty's the new scapegoat because before him, it was Fred Van Vliet. Everybody's like, oh, the Raptors are better without Fred. Yeah. Uh, let's put him on the trading block. He's holding this team back. And then he comes back and has a huge performance. And then Scotty becomes that next guy that everybody's picking on. And then Scotty has a good game against the Heat. And I guarantee you, if Siak, once, Siakam's comes ba- uh, once Siakam comes back, if you were to have like three to four bad games in a row, there would be a narrative around that. So, um, yeah, it's been great to see the Raptors – next man on mentality i want to say because it's not just been siakam van gleets missed some time with an illness obviously he came back the other night had a good game gary trent jr's been out Achua's is going to miss some time which is very unfortunate auto porter jr left the game uh, against the pacers i believe and then delano banton left the game against the heat so the raptors injuries are stacking up right now, which is not what you want to see, especially when it's a pivotal point of the season. I know it's early, but you don't want to get in a bit of a funk early on because we know sometimes how hard it is to get out of that. So I really like how the Raptors have adapted that next man up mentality. And actually, this is going to bring me into the next thing that we wanted to talk about, Delano Banton. He's been a guy who needed to come up big especially in that matchup against the Pistons, where I don't want to overhype a win, Sean, but that one against the Pistons was actually huge because you're talking about the Raptors just losing two games against the Thunder and the Pacers, lesser teams, teams that are supposed to be at the bottom of the standings, competing for the rights to draft Victor Wabanyama next year's draft. If you lose that game against the Pistons before a pivotal matchup against Miami, all of a sudden you're in trouble. And the Raptors in that game were shorthanded. Van Vliet was not there. Gary Trent Jr. wasn't there. Scotty Barnes was struggling. OG only had 19. But who was the guy that stepped up? The Lionel Banton had 27 points, career high, 4-4. and And it looked like the Pistons were going to come back and win this game. Raptors hold them off. They get the win. And that win proves to be big because then the momentum shifts to Miami. You beat Miami and Toronto. And now we'll see how the Raptors fare on Saturday. So my point is, the next man on mentality has been huge on this team. And it's been great to see a guy like Delano in particular be aggressive, attack, find his offense, and really look the part on the court. Yeah, really, really quickly. This speaks to the depth of this Raptors team, which is a big point that we brought up heading into the season was the Raptors got deeper. Um, you know, adding in Otto Porter Jr., who by the way only played 12 minutes in that game, adding in Otto Porter Jr., bringing back Chris Boucher and Thad Young, uh, the draft selections of a guy like a Christian Corloco, um, bringing your main six or seven guys back, and um, now adding in, like we were just saying in the offseason, it was, okay, who's the other guard? And it's Delano Banton, who 27 points, like you mentioned, four rebounds, four assists, but like, they won a game, and this just – and they could do it. But, like, the line of answers, Scotty Barnes, OG, Otto, and Thad, they won a game with that starting five, which is huge. And then off the bench, you still got really good contributors. And a Chris Boucher, who had 20 points off the bench, which were huge. Malachi Flynn actually made some big contributions. He had 12 and four assists off the bench. 
Coloco was solid with eight, and uh, Juan Herman Gomez had, had nine as well. So shout out to the bench here. Shout out to the to the depth with this team. Is like now the Raptors. Obviously, you, you never want to lose a few guys, but like you mentioned, Luca, the next man up mentality, and now there's a guy like you can you you never want to again, but. Pascal can miss a game. Fred can miss a game. Gary Trent can miss a game. All can miss the exact same game. Scotty doesn't play well. You're like, okay, cool. We're rolling with our, we're rolling the dice. We're rolling with the punches. This team can still, for the most part, on any given night, compete and at least make it competitive, if not win the game. And again, Bantz, like you mentioned, man, he was huge in that game. Yeah, and that Pistons game is a perfect example of a game like that where you have a lot of guys out. Uh, your stars are not playing well, a guy like Barnes struggling, and unsung hero, Delano Banton. Rex still stand up, Canadian kid, stands up, and uh, and, and he shows up, and he led the Raptors to a big-time win there. Uh, you mentioned Boucher. I want to give him a, a lot of respect, and I'm glad you mentioned him, Sean, because he has been the Raptors' best bench player uh, this season, and he's in a bit of a heater right now, and he has been very consistent during that run of the next man of mentality where the Raptors have had a lot of guys miss time, 20 points against OKC, 19 against the Pacers, 20 against Detroit, 15 against Miami. He has now become that reliable bench score where once you need to inject some instant life into your offense, he's been there and he has played really well. And minus two bad games that he had last week, he is starting to really come in on his own uh, with this bench and really be that main focal point, a part of the second unit, which really sets the tone with some of the other guys. So I've really liked what I've seen from Chris Boucher, and I'm hoping um, a guy like Otto Porter Jr. doesn't miss a lot of time, but Boucher is going to continue to have his number called down the stretch here, and he's going to have to continue to produce. So it's been great to see that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I agree. Um, All right, to wrap things up, uh, this might sound a little confusing, so follow me, guys. So we're going to put our confidence in the Raptors ran on a meter. Right, one zero to ten, zero meaning this is the worst team in the NBA. They are going to get the number one overall pick in the draft. Ten being this is this team's gonna win the NBA championship. First off, Luca, where would you say you're like on that heading into the season? 
I like this uh, impromptu game, but uh, yeah, okay. Um, putting me on the spot here. So zero's the worst, ten's the best. I would say going into the season, I would say a seven. That's where okay. I was going into the season. Like ten, ten's winning the championship, right? So like, yeah, I, I would say about a seven. Like you know, a, a seven being like a second round playoff appearance. You know, winning a round in the playoffs. So I think my my stance now doesn't really change. I, I'm I'm there, and I'm not gonna lie. Like I was a little nervous once guys started getting hurt, and the Raptors lost that back to back against OKC and the Pacers. And like I said, I'm putting more emphasis on that win against the Pistons because I really think that was a huge guttimo win with a lot of your guys out. You beat Miami, and just to put it in perspective, the Raptors are nine and seven now. This time last year. They were seven and nine. So I think once this team is fully healthy, they'll be they'll be closer to eight, in my opinion, of a team that can really make some noise and shock a lot of people and be that disruptor in the Eastern Conference. But I would say, yeah, it was a seven going in, and I'm right around there now. But a healthy Raptors team with no setbacks, Siakam back, Scotty's playing ball, I would put it as an eight. But, yeah, I guess for right now, seven. I think I would also agree with you heading in. I was probably I'd probably be at about a seven. Um, I'm a seven still, but like very very close to being an eight. Part reasons like what you just mentioned, right? But also I think the East is a lot worse than I thought that we expected it to be. Like yeah. Brooklyn's not as good. I was lower on Brooklyn than you were, but I still didn't think Brooklyn would be this bad. Um, uh, Miami's a lot worse than I thought they would be. Miami, yeah. they, they just need some size. Like, they need some they, – they need to make a trade down there. Um, but Miami's a lot worse than I thought we, they would be. I don't trust Philly. Atlanta are frauds. So now that leaves you to Boston, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. Cleveland's the other team that's like, okay, they could be really, 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 really good. And I think all three have been that. And the Raptors are, like, fourth. It turns like the – Four best teams, like if everybody's healthy, the Raptors are amongst the four, in my opinion, amongst the four best teams in the Eastern Conference. They got a top three coach in the NBA, and now they have the depth. They have the superstar now, the way Pascal had been playing. And even if Boston would be favorites, Milwaukee would be favorites, that Cavs series would just be incredible as a basketball fan. Like, this Raptors seems to be a tough out. Like, that is going to be the toughest series for any of the Eastern Conference teams, um, unless like they face each other, unless we got a Boston Milwaukee series, a Milwaukee uh, Toronto series would be the toughest series Milwaukee would have in the playoffs because Toronto has the size and the coaching and they have the experience, I'd say at this point, to go along with the star power. So I'm a seven, leaning eight. I think this team could make a conference finals run, um, but they got to get healthy and they got to start yeah. winning games they need to win. Well, I'm just going to overreact here. I think seven is fair because like 10 is, like we said, a championship. The West is very tough, a lot tougher than the East. I think we can agree on that. And then in the East, it's literally Celtics Bucks, a tier above everybody else, in my opinion. And then, like you said, like that number three spot is wide open. You got the Hawks, who you deem fraud. I agree with that statement. The Cavaliers, who started hot, they've not lost five in a row. The Raptors are in fifth. They're going to be a team that's in there. Pacers, frauds. They're not going to be sticking around much longer. Wizards, same thing. Knicks, same thing. 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to not believe in the Sixers like I did at the beginning of the season. The Heat, they don't look the same. Bulls, frauds. Nets in shambles. So, like, literally, Celtics, Bucks cut above the rest. It's going to come down. And I'm overreacting here. It looks like it, it might come down to Hawks, Cavs, or Raptors as being like yeah. that, that third definitive team in the Eastern Conference of being the team that can maybe disrupt uh, inevitable Celtics, Bucks, Eastern Conference finals. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think if the Raptors are fully healthy, they have a really good chance of being that third best team in the East. And let's not forget, they've destroyed the Hawks already this season and they beat the Cavs to begin the season. So. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the standings and like <laughs> the West is a, it's a like, Oh man, it's so tough out there right now. And man, I mean, Golden State six to nine, it's, it's just been a wild start to the NBA season. The jazz finally decided to start losing. They've lost three yeah. in a row. They might but, be back to reality. And and the Blazers are first, man. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a really wild year in the NBA. Like, there have been a lot of surprises. A lot of teams that people thought were going to be really good to begin, they're right now on the outside looking in. Yeah, the Warriors, like you said, 6-9. and nine. That's crazy. Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, this is also, to end the show, I'm going to continue to push my Shade of Toronto narrative. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I need to happen because Shay is incredible. Oh, man, I would love that. But OKC would be downright stupid if they trade Shea. Don't trade Shea for the no. Thunder's sake. They got their face of the franchise, and he's he's 24. Like, he fits the rebuild. Like, he's young. You're going to have Chet next year. Giddy's going to be great. You're going to probably have another top pick. OKC's going to be scary, man. Like, that's a really good team. And I'm so glad that Shea's playing at an all-time high level because it's not only a good story in the NBA, Sean – it's a good freaking story for Canada, man. Like, yeah. he can truly become one of the best Canadian ballers that this country's ever seen if he continues to play like this. Well, just he's probably a top twelve player right now. At least that's the way he's playing. Oh like, yeah, you can make an, you can make honestly a case top ten. I think like if you just go based on his current play, like yeah. hard to find nine guys better than Shea right now or ten. It's hard as like just sheer production. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sheer production. Last thing, this isn't a Thunder pod, but, like, give the Thunder, what, two years to, like, start putting expectations on? So next year, this year, next year, and the following year is when you, like, have to have expectations, you say, right? Oh, I think so for sure. And I think, like, you could even make a case that this team could be a part of the play in this year, I think. If Shea continues to play as well as he is, yeah. man, it, given the, the stat, the, like, the current status of the West, that is not even, a like, a – a stretch. So, I mean, if you like somehow made the plan, yeah, for sure. Giving this team two more years is fair and realistic where they can be a legitimate, like, you know, top three team. Man, the Raptors and the Thunder doing well. All right, guys, until next time, thank you all for tuning into the Raptor station podcast. Make sure you guys leave a like and subscribe here on the YouTube side. If you're listening on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever it is, you listen to your podcast, give us a five star rating and review. It's the easiest way to help with the show. So next time, everybody. See ya. And stay safe.